Yo, what up, people? You feeling the podcast? Well, log on to wineandhiphop.com right now and click that support the show tab. Pick up some merch and try our brand new Wine and Hip Hop Vino 3-pack. Every dollar you spend contributes to producing more fire content just like this. This is a moment in Wine and Hip Hop brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Check this out. Oh, yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the, the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, Josh? Your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Czar Bobs, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. I got family in the building. We got the big homie, Bow. Bow, what's good, bro? What's up, man? Appreciate you for for letting me talk on your platform. I thank you for inviting me to speak. And, uh, you know, thank you, man. Thank you. Yo. Thank you for coming on. And like, honestly, thank you for being a part of our history, bro. Like, um, I wanted to like, one, bring you on this platform because like, there's a lot going on and I feel like you have so much to contribute. But most of all, we wanted to give you like a big public thank you for working with us on this wine and hip hop intro. If y'all don't know, I'm talking to one of the illest producers in the game, the big homie Bow. Um, Bao actually produced the uh, intro for Wine and Hip Hop. And, you know, like, honestly, I get so, we get so many compliments about it. Um, it and I remember when we were cooking it up, like I came to you. So just to kind of give y'all a little bit of uh, back background on how I know Bao, Bao worked a lot with my brother, Junior Boss. And yeah. um, I remember one day, you know, Junior, you know, that's my homeboy forever. That's been my boy for life. And I've been watching his career um, as as he's been moving along, going on. And I remember when he first started, you know, when he first started, he wasn't spitting no fire like that. He was just, no. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> when he yeah. first started. I was there at the beginning, man. Like, yeah, he wasn't, he, <laughs> he like, he would say like four lines and then just say, I can't cuss on here, can I? Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. he's like nah i can't he said just f it man like man walked out the booth and then you know but he kept doing it after a while man and he actually developed on his own man like i ain't coach him through all that and then you know, you know he got out of prison like he just went out he went out he went crazy Said zero, nobody been found. Turning your back and you're talking about me. The smile on your face, it ain't matching your pound. We pray, Lord Harlem, and please do not come here. I told the nigga that he out of bounds. I used to send out the texts and emails, and he ain't respond. Now he want a feature, but can't get no talk. Stand around with a log, it's a rap, trying to make me a microwave pizza. Suplex a nigga and slamming on top of his shit. They start calling me Junior Batista. Fishing like Nas when he went to Jay Z from the rock and then fledge out that diss on that ether. Don't deal with police like Murta and Rig, but the weapons I keep, they gon' always be lethal. My bitch roll with me the whole time. I big on you know it. They say, boy, cheaper to keep her. That's what it was, bro. I remember he was in um when he was locked up, he would hit me up. We were talking on call links a lot. 
And when um, one day he called me, he was like, I'm going to let you hear some shit I've been writing. And like he was talking shit like, man, like we're going to need to get in the studio and work. I need some help with my bars. And this motherfucker called me spitting. He know he spit. He spit that. Um, that uh, what's that joint that just just got out the feds? Yeah. He had spit that over the phone for me, and it went from like what he was doing before he went out of before he got locked up to that. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So then when he came home, um, you know, he was we were we were talking about records, and he played that joint, Vengeance. And like yeah. he just kept talking about he's like, yo, I got this producer I'll be working with, man. He crazy, bro. Like he got some yeah. shit. He worked with Doe, he worked with everybody. Yo, he got some shit. I'm telling you. And then he played that joint vengeance for me. And I yeah. was just like, bro. All of my niggas want vengeance. 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 Yeah, I stay close to no dentist. Vengeance. Vengeance. I can't be humble like Kendrick. But then he started talking about how diverse your sound was. And then I hollered at you to, to work with us on the intro. And I really got to understand the full breadth of your work because like your production style is very versatile. Like when I hear what you the, the work that you've done with Junior and Doe, you know, it's easy to assume that, you know, you really fit into like a, a trap sound, mm -hmm. but your sound is so much bigger than that, man. Like, how did you develop your production style and how did you how did you start producing and then end up developing your production style? Well, man, before that, before we get into that, shout out, shout out to Junior Boss, man, that Batista album was probably one of my favorite albums I've ever worked on. You feel what I'm saying? Because he gave me free range just like Doe did, but more on a production side. Um, but to get back to your question, man, um, I am a classically trained pianist. You feel what I'm saying? Like my dad put me in uh, to piano at a very young age at four. So I've been playing for a long time. I'm probably talking about 20 some years, but like I stopped playing classical piano um, like, right around 17 or 18. I like, I really hated playing. Like I would never practice, man. Like. I would dread it, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, like sometimes they would go out to the supermarket or something like that and I'm supposed to be practicing and then I just cut the TV on and then uh, stay next to the window and look through the blinds before they come back. And when they came back, I turned the TV off and act like I was still practicing. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I played piano, man, um, classically trained. My dad had a band, you know what I'm saying? I was really young in that. Like I was like eight, nine, playing the keys, sometimes like, rhythm guitar I, I also play classical guitar you know and class guitar is relatable to bass you feel what i'm saying and then i played you know different instruments uh in in elementary up in junior high i went to an art school um i played um um cello at one point um i play saxophone as well i still can play it not as good as i used to be used to play but um i can play saxophone so um I just know how the inner workings of a band works because of my dad's band, even though it wasn't that great of a band. Um, it taught me a lot, you know, on how instruments work together. You feel what I'm saying? And then I really fell in love with just hip hop, like 
at, a, at my first CD was Wu Tang, uh, Thirty Six Chambers. You feel what I'm saying? That was like what 92, 93, 93. 93. Right after that was Ready to Die. So like I started off on the right foot. You feel what I'm saying? And yeah. how those albums were put together, you know, I really studied that in in a sense. You know what I'm saying? That Ready to Die was a real classic. So I kind of based my thesis of albums probably on that album, man, to be honest. On, you know on 36 Chambers. On um actually both, but like more so ready to die because okay. you know, it's just like from the intro to like you know, the um I wouldn't say skits, but you know, just transitions to different songs, you know what I'm saying? And um the the singles, his cadence, you know, the the versatility between different types of records on the album right. all the way towards the end, like how to build an album, you know, t storytelling, all that type of stuff, man. Um, it, you know, and I studied that five mic uh, source theory. You feel yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, man, I really pay attention and really study study this this hip hop culture. You know that I'm fortunate enough to be in, or feel like I am. You know, to uh, to to bring something to the masses that uh, that people would enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Yo, I gotta say, well. Um, we're in, you're in Shanghai now. And yeah. when we linked, you were in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. So were you, were you raised in Shanghai or were you raised in the U.S.? I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm. So uh, back quick backstory, my parents grew up in the Vietnam War. And uh, when the war ended, you know, it was really bad for them over there. So they um, escaped. You know what I'm saying? My dad escaped the 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 real OG way, like, you know, um skip town in the middle of the night, uh hid in the in the mountains for like a week and then jumped on a on a ship, you know, with a pistol, you feel what I'm saying, and uh with his brother and uh escaped to Macau, um, to a refugee camp. My mom, you know, her her parents um and her her siblings they paid their way in bullion to get on a uh, uh, on a ship to sh be shipped off to a refugee camp in uh, the Philippines. And mm -hmm. they both didn't know each other at the time. Respectively, they stayed like a year or so. And then they got sponsored by ch uh, different churches to come to Al to, to the U.S. Uh, my mom uh, and her family went to Louisiana. My dad went to um, Oklahoma. And then eventually they met up in Montgomery and then I popped up. Dope, dope. That's 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 real, man. So yeah. that's that's where the that's where the sound came from. So growing up in Montgomery, um, why was it that uh, that that East Coast sound was kind of what grabbed? Because you know, you mentioned like Biggie, you mentioned yeah. um, Wu Tang. You know, I would think that growing up out there, you wouldn't hear that as much. You know, what was it about that that stood out to you? Well, my best friend, uh, Arthur Poole, a.k.a. Bobo, he put me on um, a lot of hip hop stuff. And at the time, I was really listening to alternative music like Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, Black Hole Sun type stuff. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All that uh, Nirvana. And then he just introduced me to that, you know, and um, I, to be honest, man, I really wasn't listening to like a lot of Southern music at all, like mm. East Coast hip hop was my base is my base wow. wow you feel what i'm saying so like i'm not really a trap producer like you know um i actually didn't like it 
You feel what I'm saying? Until I worked with Doe, and that was like late, like 2010. You feel what I'm saying? And I, and that's why you didn't really hear me on a lot of his records early on. I was really trying to save it for later, which was mm-hmm. now for his this new album that Doe got the last definition of a trapper so um yeah my my base is east coast hip-hop man and um you know i, I love it you know it's so many depths d- deep parts of of east coast hip-hop that you know I, I love man and um you know it transcends transcends into like trap music that i can that i can do yeah i mean like one thing that I, I always respected about Doe, like I, I tell you about Doe, um, when Junior, I, I noticed Doe B when it was like Junior Ball, Sal Dorado Red, and Doe B, like when they were like rolling together. And that was when Junior first started rapping. Right. And you know, like he would let me hear stuff and be like, "Ah, right, you, you know, just gotta keep working." But yeah. your man Doe B got it. Like that was how our conversations went. Yeah. I mean, from the second I heard him, like this dude has this infectious, like not just his his delivery, but I hear a lot of people call him the down south biggie. Yeah. And I feel like that's just such a great way to describe his talent. Serving out the Grammys, I deserve a gram. Yeah. One plate, two chills, that's a double wham. No. Popcorn mid coming in straight from Kansas. Anything show, his lows, we ain't paying. Trapping out a smoker house, session eight, paying rent. Stupid house, and next my nigga I ain't laying. Yeah. Every time my phone ring, nigga, that's a profit. Every time I dose, we ain't 5500. Jugging all winter and I'm stunning all summer. Standing in the kitchen corner, running all them numbers. I'm serving nearby. Yeah, serving nearby. I go hard on that south side. Serving nearby. Stupid plays on that north side. Serving nearby. Fuck the guy, shit on my outside. Serving nearby. Yeah. Um, how did you and Dobie connect? Um, we connected um, before he got shot, 2008, and it was just business, man. Like I just mixed a couple records for him. It was him and uh, a couple other guys came in the studio, and he was like real. He was real like gutter, like you know what I'm saying. He had a toothpick in his mouth, and <laughs> I need you. I need you to mix these songs. Like he was real dry, real monotone, and then his music was the same too. But I noticed the talent and I just mixed it. You feel what I'm saying? And he went on by his way. And then, you know, a couple of years later, just after he got shot in the eye, um, he came to my studio to record um, somebody else's on somebody else's song. And this was after um, him and a guy named LP Monte recorded a joint mixtape called Purple Rain. And then his studio got his uh, equipment got stolen mm-hmm. and uh, he decided to just work with me from then on. So 2010 and on, we worked together and up until his death, man. You know what I'm mm. saying? So that's, yeah. That's real, man. Like, and how did you guys, how did you like, I, cause I feel like you guys' relationship became very special. Um, what was that like seeing his talent develop from, you know, when you first heard him come into your studio to, um, to his passing? I mean, he grew a lot. Like, um, like you said, the down south biggie thing. You know, I never saw him write anything down, mm. ever. 
you know, and this guy was like, he came in when he was like 20 or 19. You feel what I'm saying? So um, uh, when I first worked with him on his very first mixtape, Definition of a Trapper, um, I was recording. It was just business, you know what I'm saying? So I wasn't thoroughly involved until the second mixtape, DOAT2, and really like um, helped him with the track listing and, you know, um, uh, more so his um, his style of um, recording because on the first mixtape he was stacking a lot like kind of not like Jeezy but stacking yeah on the second mixtape and on I said man you know if you listen to the greats um, you know at the time and back then people were only recording one vocal and then maybe a little ad lib here and there you know what I'm saying yeah. or if you record one main vocal you just stack it stack a couple words here and there so that's what we went to but still stack the hook you feel what i'm saying right so uh it just developed from there man and he was it was a very symbiotic if that's the right, right word a very cohesive relationship um he let me do what i needed to do um he trusted what i what i said and what i did and it's very easy to work with him very easy mm. um you know? why why do you think you guys connected so much um, I don't know, man, like his persona was just very laid back and very humble. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, me, I, I joke a lot. So, um, I can be a bit of a comedian in the studio and I can be a bit harsh. You feel what I'm saying? But that's like kind of the mantra, how you talk in Montgomery, you feel what I'm saying? Just yeah. kind of like kind of diss each other while you're talking, <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? But, um, I mean, it, it is it was just really just i guess destined man um it was just very easy to work with him um he didn't complain you know and uh whatever he was going through he ne i never saw him sweat about it like even after he got robbed you know what i'm saying his homeboy set him up he came to the studio and laid hood memories and talked about it so like everything he did he poured into his music and you know i'm trying the same type of way where i don't really talk about my problems i just poured into the musical side of production you feel what i'm saying so um that's how we related uh, on on a musical level we had a very musical relationship that transcended our friendship Mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah. Nah, I, I gotta say, you know, speaking of speaking of your musical talents, man, I'm looking for that Junior Boss and, and Bow album, bro. Like on that <laughs> difference track, I ain't know you could rap, dog. You know the difference. Never needed no change. You got a Benz for a charm. I got a Benz in the bank. Fuck all that cap shit. Just know to protect on my wrist, plain Jane. 10,000, no bust down. Spin with a fuckboy can't. I'ma go ape, baby rock babe. Call up Batista to handle the snakes, but I handle my own. Ain't no complaints when the OGs that pull your card and you outrank. Talk out of turn, just like some children and fools. With a wise man, I'm a tank. 35 and I'm talking retiring, bitch. I do what the fuck ever you can't. Just know the difference. Yeah. Yo, I ain't gonna hold you. You know Junior, my brother, but I ain't gonna say you shitted on him on that track, but you definitely. You definitely put your stamp down, bro. Are we gonna hear more, more bars from you? Uh, you might, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm actually working with a, a, a group, a, a couple other guys that it's gonna be more like underground, you know, hip hop. So on that sense, probably so. Um, I've always wanted to be an artist, but I don't like the spotlight. You know, I can't yeah. see myself on the stage, but I love to, you know, I love to rap here and there you know what i'm saying so that part of me is still there i would say so you might hear something um but like 
I, I never really wanted to be in the spotlight. I just want to kind of be like an underground, this guy right here. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, uh, yeah, so like, you know, I, I ain't trying to show my face, but uh, I do want to say something here and there and then, you know, pl play the background. You feel what I'm yeah. saying? Nah, that shit. Yo, I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like, when I heard it, because I, I didn't look at the track list, and when I heard it, I'm like, yo, who is this spitting on this shit? Then I, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I gotta say, man, like, salute on that one, bro. That that was definitely a highlight of the project, man. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I'm interested to ask, because it's not every day that I get to speak to somebody that's in China. Like, what's the wine yeah. scene, like, out there? Um, I you know, I don't drink like that, but the wine scene out here is just like any other big city like New York. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've been to a, 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 a wine uh, a wine spot where they sell like stuff where a guy came from, I think, Austria, imported his own wine. I think um, he had some type of factory set up close by here you feel what i'm saying so um it's it's a it's a huge it's, it's huge just like any other big city um and i'm pretty sure that like it's very different types of wines internationally that you probably wouldn't even see in new york you know what i'm saying i could probably uh investigate that more for you um when i go out but um it's very different wines man and i went to art gallery thing and it was a really nice Austrian type of a wine. It was red and, you know, it wasn't too, it wasn't dry. It was kind of just, just right. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. too dry. It was just kind of like a little smooth, but a little, a little, a little tart, you know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. but like I said, I, I ain't no wine expert, you know, yeah. I, I, I love to drink wine uh, when I can, but, um, you know, I will definitely let you know about that when I move around for yeah, sure. Man. I mean, yo, I, I'm, I'm big on like, you know, I don't teach wine education. I teach wine appreciation. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's really about, like, I like to meet people where they are. Like, a, a lot of times people feel like you need to know a lot about wine in order to enjoy it. But yeah. I think that wine is just like hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just hear it and like it. You don't yeah. really, you don't, a lot of times people don't really understand, you know, mm -hmm. the nuances and little stuff like you know, like like you mentioned, Doe was talking about a, a personal situation. Ain't no way that nobody's going to know that, but they just hear it and like it, you know? Yeah, and I yeah. feel like wine has that same right away quality. You know, you might taste something and it just moves you. Right. Um, so it's just about do you like to drink it or not? You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. that's the way I, I've always approached it. You know, I have some great mentors. That's the way that my mentors always tell me to approach it. Um mm -hmm. But I, I used to actually do a lot of business in Hong Kong. Okay. And um, yeah, I used to go to Hong Kong like two to four times a year. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we did that. Like China's huge. Like it's a big wine community out there. Yeah. Um, they uh, but they I noticed like at that time, it was mostly a lot about like the blue chip um, Bordeaux wines, like so wines from Bordeaux that uh everything was like if they want the gucci and louis of wines you know what i'm yeah. saying like that was the vibe at that time um right. so i'm interested to see how how things kind of transition now like you know um but you've also you you've definitely seen like kind of 
you've been transitioning back and forth from the U.S. to China in a very interesting time, you know. Yeah. And I know there was a point when um, you left China and jumped back to the U.S. Um, like, what time frame was that, and how did that work out for you? Um, right around February of this year, um, of 2020. It's about to be 2021. Um, I had uh, sat down with Frank White um, to uh, interview about uh, patching up our relationship to work on this Dolby album, and we did. And then um, we started talking about it. And then all of a sudden, my wife, she gets a notification from, I think, the U.S. consulate saying about, you know, some some virus and not to travel because Chinese New Year's is like end of January. It's like for like a week for her to to take off work, but like three weeks for like the Chinese to take a break. So, um, you know, it said not to travel. And then we started getting a whole bunch of reports of, of a serious breakout in Wuhan. And, you know, um, I, I didn't really get spooked. Like, um, my, my wife was all right. And, you know, she saw a colleague of hers, uh, one day. And then the next day they booked a flight and got the hell up out of uh, China. So she got a little, antsy and i was like you know what let's let's go you know i paid for the flight to come back it was like three thousand dollars one way man mm. uh for both of us at the time so we like booked a flight one day and then left on like the first of february and came over and so we're thinking like all right we're safe over here um we'll be here for like a few weeks and then it'll die down we'll go back you know what I'm saying? It ended up being like say, seven or eight months staying uh, in, in the U.S. And I didn't take the Adobe sessions with me, so I couldn't work on it. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, and as you know how it got crazy in the U.S., but like it, you know, China quickly clamped it down, like quickly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I will say the Chinese are like, man, they are super efficient, man. Like, I ain't gonna lie, man. <laughs> I, I, I love their efficiency and their work work ethic. You feel what I'm saying? Um, if you if you look at like older um, pictures of Shanghai and like in the maybe in the 90s, and then look at it now, there's a lot of there's like th now they have like the tallest towers in the world. You know what I'm saying? In the matter of like 15, 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, um, yeah, the pandemic really changed a lot of stuff. And um, you know, um, this is not I'm not Chinese. Like, well, I'm like. I'm Vietnamese right. um, and then like a quarter Chinese. So Chinese is in my culture, but like, I don't know, I don't speak it. You know what I'm saying? I translate apps and all that type of stuff. So so what um, What made you say like, all right, I'm gonna dip from the US and we are gonna just chill out in, in China for a while? Well, you know, I mean, um, I, I really wanted to get out of recording and just transition to just mixing and mastering because that's what I do for, for my for my livelihood, um, mix and master records and sometimes produce here and there. So, um, you know, I just want to turn my my 80 to my 20, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the 2080 rule. Um, and then um, I just really want to free my time up, you know what I'm saying? Because mm. recording would take all of my time up. I work like 60, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week and make really good money. But I thought like, you know, if I could cut that down and still make good money, but work half as much, that's what I want to do. And then I started a family, you know, my wife, she works over here at an international school. She's black, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She ain't Chinese, you feel what I'm saying? So yeah. 
working over here at international school, it made more sense to move over here than to stay in Montgomery, Alabama. And, uh, you know, I, I get to kind of see the world a little bit better, you know what I'm saying? And not be confined to like a, a small town or a small city. Yeah. You know nah, man, that, that's, that's a jump, bro. That's definitely a jump, man. Like, I'm I'm just I'm just ready to to get some work in and you know try try get you working on some of these shows, bro. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I also so I wanted to um talk a little bit about definition of a trapper. Yeah. Um bro, this album, like I was really I listened to it front to back a couple times yesterday, front to back a couple times today. Yo. That shit just pisses you off that he got killed, bro. Yeah. Like, because the level of time, yo, he switches his flow so many times on one song. Like, just that in itself. And, you know, the, the, like, for someone to have his lyricism with his ability to flow on a track, like, that doesn't happen, man. What was some of the, like, what was it like putting that album together? you know, after his death? Because, like, I imagine it's probably pretty tough. You matching the vocals with beats, you finding different features, you figuring out, like, what's going to be special. And um, you're one of the executive producers on the project. So what can you tell us a little bit about what it was like putting that together? Man, it was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. Like, you know, and I think for engineers, it'd probably be next to impossible to do, not to toot my own horn. But, um, you know, um, it's just like a puzzle trying to figure it out. Like it's a bunch of unfinished songs, you know, uh, you know, dated stuff. You feel what I'm saying? Dated beats. Um, um, and then trying to figure out what type of thesis you're going to go with, like album title, you know what I'm saying? And then that's one thing. And then trying to finish songs, taking like verses from other songs and putting them into uh, the songs that will make it and then time stretching it and then mixing it, then mastering it. And that's one thing. And then you got, then I had to deal with the business politics of it. You know, um, if people don't know me and Frank White, we had uh, our issues for a a number of years, you know what I'm saying? So uh, he was going through what he was going through, you know, I was going through what I was going through, but I was trying to be more so like, you know, let's do this for the family. You know what I'm saying? He's more so business. And I can understand that, you know, he's always been business. So dealing with that and then, you know, a little bit of the street politics, too. You know, Doe was a real street guy. So, um, you know, dealing with some of the people that were originally affiliated, you know, didn't feel, you know, a certain they felt a certain type of way about stuff and you know i quelled it you know what i'm saying and i i you know i i, I did my part you feel what i'm saying but you know they're not really cool with the people that are involved with me in it you know what I'm and i understand you know what right. i'm saying and then you know frank going at tip like in 2017 where he you know called him out and you know it was a whole big mess with that you know i'm pretty sure a lot of people saw that yeah. so that made it very difficult to get features you know what I'm saying? And um, man, this is when I tell you, like, I put my all into it. I really did. And then really working with scraps, 
You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> to try to make it somewhat of a, a, a respectable album. And um, for the most part, you know, people really love it. The people saying it's a classic and, you know, I'm really, you know, grateful that people love it as much as I do, man, because it was not easy, man. Like, you know, I, I, I would, to be honest, man, like I ain't trying to toot my own horn either, but I would say like this is out of posthumous albums from artists that have passed. I think this is the best one, you know what I'm saying? Considering the circumstances, man, the circumstances. Yeah. So it's, um, it's up there because like this, there's not a lot of albums. Like there's something special that he hits like on a Biggie Pac level because there's songs where you you hear him talk like it's almost like he's talking from the afterlife. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and I can I felt like that was y'all y'all did that. You know what I'm saying to like give the audience like a whole different feel. So yeah. you can really you can tell like it was it was cooked with love. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's one line that I switched. You know, in that diamond in the rough, if people can peep that out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and um. I, I I had to do something to kind of, you know, make it sound like he came from the grave. And, you know, I think that was successful in doing that. So, and then, you know, trying to mesh little different uh, idio- idiosyncrasies of, of art, Doe as an artist, like the paid in full um, sample reference in the intro, like that was his favorite movie. Yeah. You know, I had um, a, a Ghana, uh, a artist from Ghana, um, Great Child Life, to illustrate him and, you know, put the little part like like Mitch and like I had mm. dressed him in uh, a Dapper Dan jacket, Gucci jacket. Unfortunately, it wasn't picked for the cover, but um, I really felt like it should have been. But, you know, I tried to match all that type of stuff and, you know, make it cohesive to uh, to Doe as an artist. And for him not to be here, like, I really had to have that. You have you really have to have that intimate knowledge of what Doe represented as an artist and what he wanted to uh, aspire to be. You feel what I'm saying? I feel like I, 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 help, I helped him do that. Mm. Um, what type of, you know, just because, you know, we, we, we big on wine here on wine and hip hop, what type of food would you see Doe eating in the studio? Cause we're going to uh, figure out like what type of wine we should be offering to, to Doe. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 uh... I ain't really see him eat like that, like, but he will always eat like sugary stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like like candy, you know what I'm saying? Candy mm. and lean. <laughs> you know so, uh, that's it. Like, you know, um um he would drink some he he said he he would drink rose at the club, but like, you know, I ain't never seen him drink. I from what I know, he hated smoking and um he didn't drink like that, but he would drink some lean, though. I That's will say so that. funny. <laughs> Yo, you know? Uh, so you know these artists a lot, man. Like, I'm working on um, some ill shit. I'm, I'm trying to get more hip-hop artists talking about wine. Um, what do I need to do to get wine in front of more hip-hop artists, and how do I get them speaking about it? Well, I got a friend of mine that uh, that you could probably talk to. He has a prominent website. I'm not going to mention it right now because um, it, it, it's either yes or no. You know what I'm saying? But I could probably introduce you to him and, you know, y'all can try to connect on that level. Y'all pretty much in the same area. Like he's in Jersey um, and in New York a lot. But um, 
you know, uh, they could, pro- y'all could really actually benefit, you know what I'm saying, mm. to each other because um, he's needing like some type of content. So I think it would be very beneficial. So I think that with my, with my guy hooking you up with him, that might be, that might be a good thing, you know what I'm saying? So we'll talk more about that like yeah. after, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, man. man. Like a big part of um, our thing is just, I feel like hip hop is a conduit to the hood. You know, hip hop, hip hop speaks for the hood. It uh, it gives a voice to a voiceless community in so many ways. Like you think about how our vote is being suppressed. You know, yeah. you think about um, you think about what's going on. Black Lives Matter. You think about systemic racism. Hip hop mm-hmm. is is how we level the playing field. How we've leveled the playing yes. field in a lot of ways, and how we like get the message out there. How we talk about what we want to talk about. So, I always looked at hip hop as the way that I could get wine to the hood, but I need yeah. to get the rappers on board. So. You know, right, I, right. I know, I know, you know how that shit's going on, man. But um, what what other stuff do, are you working on? Like, what's next out the gate for you, man? You know, um, <clears throat> I'm really at a point in my life where I just want my time back, and I put so much into music. Like, I kind of want to kind of sit back a little bit more, you know. Mm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm in a point where you know i might get into more like trading you know stocks and stuff like that and then uh buy my time back and then get into get to a point where i'm just doing music for for fun and for love you know what i'm saying and not for money like i don't want to do mixing and mastering for money um i've done that for years and i've done very well so uh i want to get back to a point where um i don't have to do that you know and um work on my own stuff and then like i definitely want to work with junior again you know what i'm saying my son he produced on the last definition of a trapper as well he did 11 and 12 the drums mm. so he's 14 you know what i'm saying so i want to kind of nurture him if he chooses to do this um into the right path and uh, guide him along and uh, help him more so than than me doing anything else. Um, but whatever opportunities that come from this uh, album, if there's any, I'm welcome to it, you know what I'm saying? But I'm a type of guy where like, I ain't, I'm not in the music business like that. Like I'm a type of guy where, you know, I can't really be fake with these guys. And there's a lot of fake people in this business, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, I just like to be real, you know what I'm saying? And the type of person I am, it doesn't fit the mold. You know what I'm saying? So as long as I can do stuff like, you know, MF Doom, like staying super underground, you know, still respectable, you know what I'm saying? Still revered, but not not in that limelight like that. Man, I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? And if I have like three, four million dollars chilling, yeah. yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't need that fame, man. You feel what I'm saying? That's my aim. That's my aim, man. Yo, I need, I just want to get that album with you and Junior, bro. That... Um, like so, one thing we on this on this um show, we we actually splice in like little fifteen seconds of a song if we mention it. That okay. difference joint, bro. You snapped on <laughs> that, man. That's all I got to say, bro. I told you when I first heard it, that shit that shit is different, man. It is it, different. Perfect title yeah. for the joint. 
Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I try to be like a little weird, like not not weird, but cool weird, like like Andre three thousand cool weird, like. Yeah. It's a certain way he has certain cases. Not not to say that I rap like him, but like his style is like very unique. You feel what I'm saying? And it's a certain thing that you'll instantly know is him. And I I hope to achieve that with my production. You feel what I'm saying? And and also artistry. But uh, man, this is the second time somebody said you've said this, and another good friend that I talked about earlier about the wine hookup thing. Yeah. That you know I should try to do some artistry stuff. So you know. I guess that's a sign, man. I guess that's we, a sign. We waiting, bro. We we definitely waiting, man. Um, one last question I actually wanted to ask. Like, I, I just have to read off this list of people, a, a partial list of the people that you worked with. You worked with obviously Dobie, Junior Boss, Ti, Jay Z, Gucci Man, Zaytoven, Money Bag Yo, Young Dolph, Yo Gotti, Busta Rhymes, Rocco, Future. Young Dro, Rick Ross, Estelle, Christina Milian, Project Pat, OBNJ, Quano Rondo, Joel Ortiz, and Tim Bland, just to name a few. Yeah. Just to name a few. Now, yeah. who else do you want to work with? After like a, a, a resume like that, like who else do you want to work with? Um, that's a good question. And man. in what capacity? Because you work with people in, in production as well as engineering and mixing and mastering. So, like, who would you want to work with in what capacity? A lot of those guys that you mentioned and people and, and, and gals that were mainly, like, mixing and mastering. But, like, I would love to work with them on a production end. You feel what I'm saying? Um, but, I, like I said, man, I don't really have the desire to do that. Like, I'm in a different point in my life, man. Like, I ain't, I'm not here to chase. I'm here to, like, live. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is with music, like, it's a, it, 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 you can either be slave to it or, you know, you transcend it to be, to be um, something that, that you can own. You feel what I'm saying? So, uh, um, I, uh, that's that's a really crazy question. I <laughs> never really thought about it, but um, man, I'm down to work with anybody that's hot. I will say that. Like, I don't know if I really want to work with those bigger guys like that. I want to find somebody that's that's young and you know full of life and has work ethic. You know what I'm saying? And has and if I work with somebody, <clears throat> if I work with somebody, they have to check. I have to check off a bunch of things for me. And the first thing is work ethic. Like, do you have it? Um, and attitude is probably neck and neck. Do you have the right attitude? Are you humble, you know, or are you confident enough to pursue this? Um, charisma, you know what I'm saying? Um, the artistry is definitely artistry that has to be there. Can you do this stuff on your own? You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of little checklists, man. And then also funding as well, because it's not cheap to do this. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, but that's like I said, I'm getting to a point where I don't want to do this for money. If I have a whole bunch of money, I, I ain't got to do all that. Like, I ain't got to sweat having to work for it and then just do it for fun. And then, you know, either possibly fund an artist or I really want somebody to fund themselves because that shows me like, if you put your money into it, um, as well as your time, then that means, that tells me that you're serious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, yo, bow, bro. Like, I appreciate you, I appreciate your talent and, you know, appreciate you for coming on the show, ma'am. I, I, it's long overdue. 
Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure this is this is the first time of many we gonna connect on this level, and definitely appreciate it having you on, man. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I appreciate everything you've done, and you know, what I'm saying for myself and for Junior, and you know, definitely, man, we'll connect in the future, and we'll talk more about the the other wine stuff. You know yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. You already know what it is. This was a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love.